Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, is my guy, wow, Donald Thomas. And today we're going to go over the midseason report as the Indianapolis Colts, after nine weeks of this NFL season, find themselves sitting at four and five, one game out of 500. They've already got the amount of wins that a lot of people, you know, at, at midseason thought they were going to get for the entire season at four. Uh, I had them. Uh, between six and nine, which, you know, uh, if, if they continue this trend of four wins for half a season, that'll put them right in the midst of where I expected them. But, man, uh, the Colts, I think, have the second easiest, so to speak, schedule to play in the NFL uh, left so far. Uh, they got a couple couple tough games, but a lot of games that they should win, as we've already discussed, well, let's talk about what we've seen this past nine weeks and in this episode, and then, you know, not just expectations, but what the Colts need to do over the next eight weeks. Uh, what What is your initial thoughts of the Indianapolis Colts currently sitting at four and five? Um. You know, granted everything that you just said about initial thoughts of how the season would kind of go with the amount of wins you said that we that we're going to get. Um, albeit, you know, you lose your franchise quarterback early in the season. Um, you got guys missing on defense. You got some guys missing where we're missing on offense are back. Um, as much as Colts fans want to win right now and they want to win every single game. I don't think we're in a super bad spot when you look at it from a standpoint of what's happened. You lose your starting quarterback in the first three, four weeks of the season. Um, you have a, a, a backup that comes in to try to manage this thing. You lose key pieces on defense. Um, you know, you had some guys banged up on the offensive line. You get guys back. You were missing your star running back. Now you got him back. You're trying to get him in the mix, figure out what your identity on offense. Um, you know, the Colts are right where I where right where I put them at. You know, I was giving them nine wins on the season. And so when you look at it from halfway through standpoint, they're right on schedule. Um, and I, I was saying that with Anthony Richardson starting the whole season, right? No injuries and all that. So when you look at it from a standpoint of that, like, yes, there are a lot of um gaps and in, in, in you know. Um, deficiencies in, in within, you know, defense, offense, special teams. Um, but when you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, how well have the Colts done so far, it's not far off that they're right where they should be. This is, the, this is the team that this is where they should be. This is, this is who they are. They're kind of a middle of the road team right now. That's missing some key pieces. When we look at it from a standpoint of being four and five um, halfway through the season, um, I, this is right where I, I kind of figured them to be. Yep. Same here. Before we get before we get uh, on with this, I just want to remind everybody that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So when I predicted six to nine, it was either one, Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew playing the season or mix and match, right? It didn't matter. I was looking at it like, you know, there was some things that Gardner had that Anthony didn't. There was things Anthony had that Gardner didn't, you know, it was kind of whoever, you know, obviously we, uh, you need, you know, Anthony losing Anthony for the season really sucks because he was a bit of a spark plug and a wild card uh, that the Indianapolis Colts really had in their arsenal uh, starting the season off. It was quite obvious that a lot of Shane Steichen's play designs was based around, you know, Anthony Richardson's uh, unique abilities. Um, and now he's he's happened to to change that over the course of this season uh, to fit more a Gardner Minshew mold offense than an Anthony Richardson offense. And to me, it makes it a little bit more predictable, right? For, you know, when, when defenses and other teams were getting ready to, to play the Colts when they're, when they're uh, watching game film, they, they, they can take away a lot of those, you know, quarterback design runs and, and things of that nature. Now, obviously Gardner can escape a pocket, scramble, extend plays. We've seen that, right? We have seen that. We've seen him run with the football, but it's not, it's not the same without Anthony Richardson. And does this make this offense more predictable in your opinion for defenses when they, when they make their game plans to, to defend this offense? A thousand percent. I mean, when you look at it from a standpoint of, one trick pony, we don't have much to, to worry about besides what they're really only the only one thing they can really do. Um, and they don't, they're not a one trick pony, right? They have a, they have dynamic, two dynamic running backs. They have, you know, um, they need another, they need another tight end. That's really a reception tight end. Um, that's can do a lot of different things. Um, but when you look at it from a standpoint, from the quarterback position, um, they're limited on what they can do. I mean, Gardner can scramble when he absolutely has to. Can he do what he what Anthony can do with with his legs? No. Um, can he run as fast as Anthony? No. Is he elusive like Anthony? No. Can he? Is he a strong runner like Anthony? No. Does he have a strong arm like Anthony? No. Um, so when you look at it from the physical attributes, you're lacking. And so when you lose that, there's so right. There's so much that you have taken off the table from your offensive play calling. And this is the problem, right? This is my problem. And this is why I always said that the Colts shouldn't have started Anthony Richardson to start the season off. Because I felt like Anthony needed to just get a little bit more season under his belt. Don't put that huge pressure on him. Let him get some time. Maybe by the bye week, let him start working it, working himself in. Let Gardner discredit himself so that Anthony can take the reins. And anything that Anthony does is a positive from here on out instead of putting all this pressure on this young man at, at this, at this early age in his career. And then now he's trying to do a lot and you're asking him to do everything that you guys are all excited about that, you know, he's going to eventually be able to do, but he'll be more savvy to sliding when it's time to slide, right? Making sure he avoids contact, not trying to prove that he's a hero and he's a tough guy and lowering his shoulder and trying to get in the end zone and run somebody over. And all that does is add to his head rattling. And now we have a concussion. Now we got a shoulder injury. 
now we have all this stuff and people don't realize like guys as NFL players as feeling the pressure of they know this is we we all know this is big time big money business you know what I'm saying high stakes a lot of pressure high reward but there also is the drawbacks that come with it there's the injuries there's the criticism there's the, the lack of confidence there's the here's the door at the end of the day and so when you put that pressure on that young man to do all these things he's not going to say no he can't do them he's going to try to do them to the best of his ability and to win over everyone all 65, 70,000 people in the stands and all the million people, millions of people watching the game. So when you put all that pressure on a young man early in the season, this happens. And so now we had the whole offensive playbook open. And as soon as Anthony got hurt, now we had to condense it to just a small little window of what we can do because physically we can't do everything else. And on top of it, we didn't have our number one running back in the get back yet, right? So that was another problem. Zach Moss stepped up. Yes, beautiful, right? You, you still lacked from the tight end position. I'll keep saying it from the till we get a big time tight end and or someone that they just we find in the draft or another guy off of another team. We need a we need a recept. We need another tight end. We need another threat on offense, and then another receiver. So, uh, there's there's holes to be filled. Um, I just feel like the Anthony's injury could have been avoided, in my opinion. Um, and it hurt us in the long run. It's hurting us now. I, from what I've seen from the tight end tight end group, I think we have the guys. I just think that we're not utilizing them in the passing attack uh, the way uh, a lot of them should be. Um, now, obviously, Granson, you know, who is a receiving threat, uh, missed the last couple weeks due to you know concussion. Uh, but I, I'm noticing when we do run. 12, 13 personnel, they're, a lot of them are kept in the block, right? They're, they're not mm-hmm. going out for rece- receptions because the guys who are good at receiving, like Ogletree, like Granson, they're also good at blocking, right? And they, they leave them in there to help give, you know, that extra protection, that max protection type situation. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes that's bad, right? It's kind of a, you know, pick your poison on that situation. But the Colts offense so far this year, Ninth overall in the NFL in yardage. They're eighth in yardage in rushing. They're 11th in yardage in passing. Uh, that That's respectable. That's respectable. N- neither side of the offense is bottom half of the league. They're all, you know, top third of the NFL right now in, in um, you know, yardage-wise, scoring-wise. Uh, I, I like that. Obviously, the turnovers were uh, an issue. Um, and there's no telling where, uh, you know, if, if, if that turnover problem that we had earlier is gone or not, well, you know, we've got eight more weeks to figure that out. Uh, but at the same time, yardage wise, I like yardage and scoring wise. I like where the Colts overall are. Now the offense isn't going to score 30 points a game, every game. It just, it's not going to happen, you know, even against some of the worst teams in the NFL, you know, as we just saw, right. The offense scored 13 points against the Panthers. You got to have, you know, another position group to, to step up, um, <clears throat> whether it be the defense or the special teams. I like where the offense is right now at our spot. I don't think it's a bad spot. I think that some of the, 
you need to be less predictable, right? That's that's the issue. Second half, if you got a lead, Steichen has become incredibly predictable, where it's very conservative. You're either running the football or you're um, you're, you're you're passing screens. If you're behind, even by a field goal, it seems like. In the second half, it becomes predictable. You know he's running pass plays. He's, he gave up on the run because we were, we're behind, you know, and that's that's a problem. I think that Steichen needs to really mix things up a little bit more on both sides, whether you're winning or losing. And that's that's where I'm I'm seeing the, the, the struggles on offense is that he becomes predictable in the second half. You know, when you get a head coaching job, sometimes it's best to just be a head coach. Sometimes it's not, it's, 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 it's a lot to ask for someone to manage a football team, offense, defense, and special teams, oversee all that, and to be the main play caller on offense. And who's going to trump you? Nobody. Um, when you have a guy that's up top, vantage point, right? He's able to call plays. He's looking down. He's calling plays. Sometimes I feel like that sometimes is the best way to do it. Or if your offense coordinator is on the sideline, he's able to do that because he doesn't have to worry about what the defense is doing. He's not talking to the defensive coaches as well. He's not screaming down to the special teams coach and trying to figure out why we don't have the right personnel in the field or who missed. You know, this is a lot that goes into it. Um, and then when you call a flag or go talk to a ref or you're doing all of that. Right. And then, and, and on top of that, Hey, look, we're in the huddle. We're waiting for the play call. You see what I'm saying? So it's a lot when you see from an offense, from a, from a head coach to be a coordinator as well. And I think that's where um, we're lacking that. Now, is he doing a, a good job of, of getting guy of, of us jumping up and scoring early in games and, and, win, and, and, you know, we got four wins, but being in the top, you know, 10 in scoring and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Great. Perfect. Um, could it be better? And like I say all this to say, it just could be better. I'm not saying that that's terrible. That's actually pretty good for where we're at, a four or five football team, and we're we're scoring all these points, and we're we you know saying like we're up there in the top what number nine for in these like in these stats, these categories is great. But could it be better if you had someone that had the same ideology as you, right? Make that higher, right? So that you can be like you still have your footprint or your finger, your handprint on the offense. But now you're able to kind of really focus on the whole team and the whole game instead of just it being, you know, you focusing, you know, really your main focus is offense. It really is. If you're the coordinator and you're the head coach, like your main, like, so you're not, you're not popping in a defensive meeting room. You can't because you're running your offensive meeting, your unit meeting. You ain't with the defensive unit meeting. And if you are, you got to tell one of your other coaches, hey, go over the run game for me right now while I go talk to the defense. That's a problem because now your attention is, 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 is not divided amongst equally amongst everybody. Like if we saw the head coach in our offensive unit meeting, we're like, oh, it's not a good thing. Right. Cause he wants to, he wants to hone in on this this week and make sure that not just his coordinator is getting the message across. Maybe just his presence in the room is getting the message across and vice versa. When that, when that head coach goes in that defensive meeting room, he, everyone on defense knows what time it is. He means business. We got to get this done. But when your head coach is only in the offensive unit meeting, it's just like there's not enough attention spread out to everybody else 
Now, granted, you're in the top nine, but also you're four and five. Instead of five and four, six and three, seven and two. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just looking at it from a standpoint of that. It's not bad. It could be better. Absolutely. I, I fully agree with that. It could be better. And, you know, Jim Bob Cooter was handpicked by Shane Steichen to be his offensive coordinator. I'm assuming they he did so because they have a similar mindset. Uh, just because, well, let's say he did hand the, the play calling over to Jim Bob. That doesn't mean that, you know, he's not designing plays and stuff right. and helping in, 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 in uh, game plans and things of that nature. You know, all those plays that he designs and sets up for for the game is still there. Jimba is still, you, you know, to be able to be utilized by your offensive coordinator. It just frees you up to do other things. To that, be a head uh, coach. To be a head coach. <laughs> exactly. Um, you did push a little bit earlier in this stream about the injuries, right? The, the Colts, you know, have missed a lot of people uh this past season every team does though right every yeah, g- yeah. generally every team uh goes through the situation now obviously the colts have, have lost a lot say in their secondary uh a, a big loss uh up front and grover stewart obviously losing your you know rookie starting court top five pick quarterback for the season after just a few weeks that's a big hurt but i can't really in this league, it is a next man up mentality. You got to be ready for that. Even, even when the secondary is so bad, like injury wise, that you've got guys from special teams and 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 practice squad and guys that you're signing off the street out there playing. You know, they're they still you they have coaches. Right. And the coach just has to be able to be uh, find out what their strengths are and put them in the best position to succeed. Right. I mean, that's why they're on the team. The coach knows, especially position coaches, right? Your position coaches, maybe your offensive coordinator doesn't know every single person, you know, their strengths and weaknesses for every single person, but the position guy does. And, and that's what it's kind of, hate to say it, kind of like the military. Right. Where the general don't know everybody, but as you go down in rank, they know. And then that information comes up the ladder, you know, when it is needed and needs to be presented. Right. So like uh, when the offensive line loses guys. Right. The offensive line coach then tells the offensive coordinator, hey, this is where we're at. This is where I think, you know, the next best guy at this position should be playing this upcoming week. And then that information goes to the head coach. And then you have a meeting right between the coaches. Hey, who's, who's going to be playing where, uh, then the game game design on how to, you know, effectively utilize that, that replacement player, right. Uh, in, in the game plan, uh, to either best, best utilize them to his strengths or to stay away from the weaknesses that he has say, so to speak, like, you know, if, if a guy does not run block very well, but he pass blocks very well, you know, on, on the offensive line, maybe you, you move your running game a little over, you know, and, you know, focus on uh, help in the pass protection somewhere else. 
during during game plans or something of that nature. I don't I don't know. I, I haven't played in the NFL, so I don't know how that works. For real, you never played before. And then huh? You've never played in a league before. Not 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 in the NFL, believe it or not. Oh, okay. um, but you know, I have played uh, lower. <laughs> I, I played college. I played high school. Yeah. So uh, I didn't play college very long. I played and then I quit like within a few, few games because I just realized I can't do it. I was too scared. Uh, I got hurt really bad uh, in high school. And then I, then I took a hit. There's a huge difference between high school and college. And then there's a massive difference between college and the NFL. I've, I've heard it from a lot of people, you know, when it comes to the athletes and the size of people, you know, so it is what it is, but the thing well, is, when it comes to the injuries on this team, I can't really put it on the injuries. You know, this is a situation where the coaches just have to coach. And that's what that whole spiel was about, you know, where, yes, you you talked about uh, on the last episode about, you know, losing Grover Stewart, the backup guy. Sometimes there's a massive drop in talent, right, and ability, but you still got to find ways coaching, whether it be uh, with Grover Stewart, maybe, you know, sending extra guy or, or running specific double teams or stunts or things of that nature to help in that situation. Same with the secondary, you know, if, if your backups aren't very good at, 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 you know, playing zone, maybe you play a little bit more man, you know, or, or something of that nature or, or a, a, a cover two man, right. You could do that. That's awesome. So uh, sometimes I th- I feel like that's one of the better ways of going about it with the Colts right now, being that they're so young at the cornerback position, you know, utilize the safeties a little bit more in the zone issue and let your, your corners run, run more man. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I do not like utilizing injury as an excuse ever, you know, when it comes to wins and losses and things of that nature. So injuries are a part of the game in any sport, mm-hmm. but more so they are more prominent in football than any sport. So it's a very physical sport. We all know that the risk of someone getting hurt every play is extremely high. And the fact that, you know, you go in as a player praying and hoping that you do make it out the game unscathed or you can't think about it, but it may happen to you and there's a good chance that it could happen. Coaches go into that thing knowing that from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, my room will not be the same. I will have guys that were my starters that will probably not make it through the season. And there will be guys that started in this room that will be elevated. And there will be new guys in the room that I have no clue who they are. Um, And so when it comes to that, a good coach, right, you can. And so I'm going to have, I'm going to give you pushback on this. Okay. Um, I don't think that it, it definitely the coach coaches in the coaching at 1000% matters. Uh, Every single day that they go in there, I'll never take that away from them. Um, it's also a job that from the standpoint of finding the right guys to be able to get the job done. And you have to go into this thing understanding that you are going to have that there's a high probability that the guys that you start with are not the guys you finish with. And how you coach them up is one thing. Um, but the caliber of player that we're getting is another. And so when you look at it from a standpoint of, um, you know, the NFL motto or mantra is next man up. It's the next man up. He's got to be able to play. 
Now, the coaching comes into getting that guy ready to play. 100%. That comes into getting that guy ready to play. But if that guy just can't get it done because he's just not good enough, I don't care who the coach is. That guy's just not good enough. So we can say it comes down to coaching. We can say it comes down to the player. The player's going to play. If you call my phone right now and tell me you're going to give me a few hundred to hundred thousand dollars to go out there and run around on NFL field, anybody's going to go do that. Now, how well can he do that? It's up to the capabilities and in, in, in of that guy. Now, yeah. can I now can I find it in a player as a coach to elevate a guy's game? That's coaching. When I when I know that a guy can do it, when I've seen him do it in practice, he's not the starter, but I know I can get this guy to play well if he's given the chance. It's all about coaching him up with his technique and his ability. It's about boosting his confidence, right? It's about getting him to understand and believe in himself as well that you are the guy, the next man up, and you can play this game, you can play it well. Those things, when it comes down to coaching, is very, very important. But well, from the other aspect is, can this guy just get it done or not, is another thing. Now, when you look at it from a standpoint of getting the right guys in, that comes down to the front office. That comes down to Ballard. And we came back around to this thing. It comes down to Ballard. It comes down to the VP. It comes down to player personnel. It comes down to this. It goes even further. It goes down to the scouting department, right? It goes down to those guys. How good are your scouts? You know, your soldiers that you're sending out into battle, so so, like, so to speak, of doing their recruiting during the season at the college level, of doing their recruiting or doing their scouting of other other guys that are, you know, not starting in the league and making sure you watch enough film or you go to the games and you watch these young guys that are, that are not playing or they are playing, they're coming up in free agency and reporting back, like you said reporting back to the general, reporting back to the VP, reporting back to the owner, reporting back to the president of, of the organization and the head coach. So it's a whole ecosystem. How good is your head coach? How good is your VP, your GM? But more importantly, how good is how good is your position coaches? And then we go down to how good is your scouting department, right? And then ultimately, they bring the guys in, right? So it's not more so like, always just on the player, it goes hand in hand. Now, granted, there's a short list of available guys or young guys or guys that are on the street right now sitting at home have just got back from a workout waiting for their phone to ring if something were to happen. Those are your highest guys, highest priority guys to get them in for a workout, make sure they're good, sign them if something happens to one of your guys. That is That short list is created from upper management scouting department. So it's on them now because if you call my phone, I'm you're going to fly me up to wherever. You're going to fly me to Indy. I'm going to stay overnight. You're going to give me a workout, and you're going to either sign me or not. If you sign me, now it's on you because you know what my capabilities are if you've done your homework good enough. So it is next man up. It's not always on the coaches. It's not always on the player. It goes hand in hand, right? But if you give me, if you give me whatever it is, I can't turn that into lemonade if I'm a position coach. That guy's just not good enough. I train kids all the time. I'm very real with parents. Parents will come to me, hey, give it to me straight. Is he good enough to play in college? You want me to be straight with you or you want me to rub your back? No, he's not good enough to play. Or yes, he is good enough to play. But if he's good enough to play, here's the level that he can play at. He ain't going to Wisconsin. He's not going to Ohio State or Bama. Or He's not. He's going to 
a smaller school where he'll play football and enjoy those four years of playing football. And that's where his career stops at. And you better utilize that, that time at college and get yourself a degree. (laughs) Right. Because just because I played in the NFL doesn't mean I can turn your kid into a college division one athlete. He's just not that person. So when it comes to the league, yes, he is a NFL caliber player, but, can he really truly play on Sundays or do we came or is he a special teams guy we can hide and just put him out there for six plays a game? There's a huge difference. So you talk about, you know, that whole looking at guys that are sitting at home, just getting off of work or whatever, you know, their workouts or whatnot. Colts just uh, brought in, what was it? Sammy Watkins, I believe uh, yesterday, day four, something like that nature uh, to do a workout. Um, so they are, actively bringing guys in on a consistent basis. So you, I don't know if we hear everybody that comes in, you know, that's yeah. reported. I'm sure there's guys that's coming in all the time in and out doing workouts, checking things out. Um, but certain higher profile guys probably, you know, are, you know, especially those, you know, that have played in the NFL, the agents are always going to be like, Hey, he's doing a workout with this team, you know, that type of stuff. So, yeah. Create buzz for their guys. Mm-hmm. Try to get them a job. Um, there's a reason why Sammy's still at home. And you just uh, leave it at that. Um, there's 31 other teams that haven't signed him either. Yep. You know, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. Does he still have tread left on the tires? Maybe, maybe not. Um, is there information that we don't know about, privy to the public, 1,000% of why he's not on the NFL team? Um, but is he better than some guys that are have active current roster, active roster jobs right now? 1000%. Why he hasn't been given the nod? Maybe it's because the age thing, maybe it's because the injury bug, maybe whatever it is. Um, so it's always a gamble sometimes to be like, Hey, we got to sign this guy. Hopefully it works out. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Right. Somebody's got to fall on the sword. Maybe it's Sammy. Maybe it's the front office of us making a bad decision. But you can't blame the position coach because you just gave him an old player and you're like, plug him into the system. And he ain't got that burst anymore. He can't block that three technique anymore. He can't get off the ball like he used to. You see what I'm saying? He can't make that deep ball throw. So don't put that on me. Yes, I'm going to try to get as much as I can out of my guy. That's why I'm an NFL position coach because you're saying I'm the best of the best coaching at this position. For the most part, there's guys that get coaching jobs and we'll leave it alone right? Because of they know somebody or they're doing them a favor. I'll just go into it now. Like I'm not, I don't want to be a coach. So I'm, don't take this as anyone who listens to this as I'm hating, but there's people in positions every, in, in any profession that shouldn't be where they're at just because they know someone or just because they they're in that tree or just because they played for them. And now they're going to give them a, a coaching job. Everybody's not a coach. I have, I was privy to be around one of the best coaches and people hate me all the time for bringing up new England references, but I was, able to be coached by the best offensive line coach. People will give me crap because they'll say Howard Mudd is better. And the two names are Dante Skarnecki and Howard Mudd. And Mudd guys and Scar and Skarnecki guys were like polar opposites of teaching. Was there success on both ends? Yes. Did they make their players better? Yes. Guys that went into their system, if you bought into the system and you weren't tainted by the other one's teachings, you could be successful. Mm-hmm. Now, if you went from Howard Mudd or Dante Skarnecchia to the other, they knew exactly when they saw that technique, it doesn't work over here. Yeah. But I say all that to say this, because they, my career was going pretty decent. 
I got to New England, and Skarnekia had a way of elevating my game mentally, physically. He boosted my confidence. He told me why I was here. He helped me understand when I got my shot to play. He expected me to play just as well as this, as as, the, as Logan Minkins, who was starting in front of me, who they gave sixty something million dollars to, and I elevated my game, and I played well. And he was able to push me every week. He was able to make sure he got the best out of me every week. Was it sometimes was it was it hard a tough pill to swallow? Yes. Uh, are some coaches scared to to push and pull on their players to get the best out of them? A thousand percent. The best coaches are the ones that don't care about your feelings they care about you as a player when you're get when you're out there making sure that you understand the severity of it and so when you look at it from a standpoint of let's say let's take the quarterback uh coach here in 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 indy right you can't put the you can't put everything on him as far as gardner Minshew throwing these picks gardner Minshew not being the greatest uh quarterback making bad decisions with the football when you You've been giving Gardner Minshew and you know his body of work. I can I can coach him and I can teach him and I can watch enough film with him to say, hey, you see this, you see the way the DBs are, you see the coverages, you know you can't force his ball here. But on Sunday, when the real bullets are flying and your offensive line's not blocking up to par, or your receivers just aren't catching the football, and you and now you're resorting to plan B and you're getting into panic mode and you're trying to force things. Monday through Saturday, me and him were on the same page. We came out Sunday. It's a different story. So I want to close this episode by talking about uh, expectations um, on the season, on what's left. Now, obviously, I believe that the team did not expect. I mean, it was even Jim Mersey you know, at the beginning of the year was like, I, you know, we're going to, it's going to be a roller coaster year. You know, we're going to have downs. We're going to have ups, you know, from the way he was talking, he wasn't expecting, um, you know, playoffs and Super Bowl this year. And he shouldn't have, I mean, obviously. Right. Uh, Now I, I understand that every player, every coach, every owner, the goal is to hit the Super Bowl every year. There's a difference between a goal and and honest self-evaluation expectations you know um right now the colts have four they're four and five i do not see a massive change unless there is a similar meltdown to like what there was last year in the second half of the year right where you just lose like eight straight you know, uh, and and that's where where it's at right now. I figure if the Colts win six to eight games, I feel like Ballard's job is safe. I think everybody, you know, just chalks it up to a, a learning experience for all the young guys, and they continue to try to build. If we have a meltdown, I think there's going to be problems. I think Gus will be gone. Ballard will be on that hot seat. You know a lot of stuff will, will, will happen. Now, when it comes to Gus, it could go either way, right? Because he is not Steichen's guy. He kept him because he respects him because they work together, right, in San Diego. But I think it was more a, a trial basis, probably, than yeah. it was, you know, 
he's the guy I wanted. He he was actually my choice before I came here. No, I I I, I can't buy that. Right, I, I I can't. Not that I have, not that I dislike Gus. Uh, I, but I just, you know, of all the coaches out there that could be a defensive coordinator, I I, I don't think that Steichen, uh, you know, chose him. I think it was more of a Ballard sat down and talked with him and and said, hey, look, this is this is what he brings to the team. Might bring a little extra stability for this year, having you know the defensive side be the same. See what happens. We've seen it before when Ballard was hired and he kept the head coach at the time and Chuck Pagano, right, for one year and then moved on from him after that year because that year was really, really bad. I don't know if Gus will survive this year or not. I mean, there's always that you're spot on with that. Um, you know, as a head coach, unless it really just implodes, you know, you're going to get a couple, two, three years, hopefully, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so for the sake of a sub-500 football team, there's going to be changes made personnel-wise, coaching-wise, and um, player-wise. And so when you look at it, at will Gus Bradley have his job next year? it's probably a high probability of the answer is no um, because of all those reasons you just stated. Um, and I guarantee it was like, just give him a try. Let's see how it works out this year. Um, you know, you're spot on with the six to nine. I'm going to go on the high end and say, I'm going to give him eight to nine wins for the rest of the season. Um, I don't see them winning the division. Um, wild card. They'll be in the hunt at the end of the year, like they always are. And then something happens where it's a crazy scenario where, three teams have to lose that are, you know, 14 and two at the time or something like that. And um, that ain't going to happen all in one Sunday. And so there, there goes a season of, you know, eight and nine or nine and eight, what have you. Um, there'll be enough nuggets left to make you feel good about them being nine and eight or eight and nine. Like they're right there on the cusp of it, but nine losses is a lot, you know, eight losses is a lot. Um, so, there will definitely be um, change defensively. It's just going to happen. This is nature of the game. Um, going forward, guys just have to play well. But more important, like I said a few minutes ago, you got to do your due diligence to get the right guys in the building. You got to do the due diligence to really start making some some serious serious acquisitions in free agency. But more importantly, it's not about the big names. It's about how well do these guys fit into the system. So now, first, let's find the system out. So if Gus Bradley needs to go before the end of the year, then Gus Bradley needs to go before the end of the year, and new D coordinator needs to be appointed before the end of the year. So oh, yeah. we know the direction we're going, so we make sure that personnel-wise, like we can, if it's going to be a man, a, a guy that's a lot of pressure in, in man protection, you better have the right personnel in the field for that. So let's make sure we get the right guys in free agency, let the right guys go, make sure we draft right, correctly, blah, 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 blah. It's a train effect, right? It's not just going to be fire Gus Bradley, keep these guys and, and get one big name safety or another big name defensive end. Like that's not about the, that's not about to fix the whole thing. You see what I'm saying? So it needs to start now. I hate to say call for someone's job, but if it just doesn't work, it just doesn't work. And we have to amicably, you know, part ways. You tried, your system didn't fit, 
probably because you didn't have the right guys, what have you. We can we can talk about how many different aspects, like you know, factors factor into this decision. But at the end of the day, the defense wasn't great. It wasn't up to Steigen's, you know, uh standards. You know, he felt like he he didn't get his guy. Now he can get his guy in here who he probably wanted to bring from day one, told him to hold on. It's if it doesn't go well, I got you. So now call, give him a call. If that doesn't work out, then guess what? Shane, see you later as well. Uh, Ballard, see you later as well. You know, and then it's just a revolving door. It just keeps going around and around until we get the right person in to shake things up, find the right formula, and get the right chemistry with all these guys, and then we can start really start rolling. Yeah, the problem with Gus is he plays so much zone and he blitzes so little, right? And that's that's a problem. Uh, especially when you don't have the guys up front to make sure you get the pressure on a consistent basis. They do get pressure. They do get sacks. Yeah. But when you're playing zone, you got to get consistent pressure. Right. Uh, and that's, it's, it's not working. You're giving up a ton of completion percentage and yardage and big plays. And this is a, a team, when you play a cover two, cover three, you're supposed to be limiting big plays. And we've given up a lot of big plays this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, is it personnel? Is it is it the scheme? I, maybe a mix of both, right? But still, uh, it, it obviously, to me right now, it's not working. Um, I don't like being on either end of the spectrum when it comes to team blitz percentage whether you're the be- uh, the team that blitzes the most in the NFL or blitzes the least. Mm-hmm. I don't like being, I'd rather be closer to the middle, you know, where you're unpredictable, where, you know, and and we all know Gus blitzes the least in the NFL. Uh, and and that that's a little bit of a worry uh, for me, something I haven't liked um, ever since even Matt Eberflus was here. So mm-hmm. um, I think, again, you discussed it. You're looking at eight to nine. I'm looking somewhere between six and nine. Uh, I think there will be some shakeup, not dramatically. I know you're, you kind of, maybe Ballard will be gone. I don't think he will, unless there's, like you said, like, like, like we said, uh, you know, a massive just failure in the second half. But that's it for us right now for this episode, kind of going over midseason. Um, let us know in the comments what you think, where the Colts will finish up, what kind of moves will happen. Will there be some pickups in free agency, some names maybe, uh, or no names? Uh, will, will Ballard survive the season? Will Gus Bradley survive the season? Uh, where will Gardner Minshew go at the end of the year? You know, there's a lot of different questions. A lot of questions. A lot of questions right now with this Indianapolis Colts team. Um, but – I think that's going to do it for us. I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Donald Thomas. This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, go Colts. Go Colts, baby. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.